If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! Well, what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. Oh, what's happening here on a Tuesday and a glorious one in the River City. Wow, it's so nice out. I almost thought about just going outside here at the Voice House of Cards and doing the show right outside the door because it is that nice. I say this on, on occasion, when you get to this time of year, you know, back when I was in elementary school and, like, and maybe junior high, but I think it was more like elementary school, they'd take you outside for a class when it was, like, really nice and comfortable out. Today would be, like, an outside class day. There you go. Like, that was fun. Like, you go sit on the grass and have class. Just Felt be a little bit different. Yeah. So uh, today would be one of those days, just a beautiful day. We've got a great weather week, it looks like, here in Jacksonville. Uh, I was surprised a little bit by some of the rain yesterday, but it didn't last long, at least where I was. So that's nice. we got a big show lined up once again today. Mark Berman, by the way, from PXG Women's Match Play Championships coming up uh, in its second year will join us at, at 3.30. And then at 4 o'clock, Blake Bortles scheduled to join us. Uh, Try to chase Blake down since uh, he retired, and, and uh, we appreciate the help getting Blake on. Uh, Blake uh, will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Look forward to catching up uh, with the boat. The boat sails again here on uh, ESPN 690. Should be fun uh, to catch up with Bortles. Uh, there are some stories circulating around the NFL, uh, one that includes the Denver Broncos still stink, Russell Wilson still stinks, now he's got a hamstring injury, and could that hamper him over these next few weeks? Have you seen the latest on that, Casey? Did I see something that he could miss the Jags game in London? the way this shakes out, and I'm not sure I want that to happen. Yeah, it looks like there's some speculation on that one, so uh, I don't know if I believe it. I think it's every time that Russ has a bad game, now all of a sudden he's hurt. So we'll see <laughs> We'll see how that one plays out. But, yeah, you know, that's out there in the, the social media world. We'll have to see, but uh, I think he'll be out there. I mean, Russell Wilson, it, it's I'm waiting for it to end. And then in the first quarter yesterday, what was it, like 10 for 10 for a buck 60? And the yeah, rest of the game, it was nothing. Like, he, I thought the numbers were fake. They were real. It was oh, yeah, 3 that for was 11 real. in the second half for 15 yards. It was real. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. And, and actually, if you look at the overtime and, and the late-game situations, probably more overtime, I thought it was just amazing how much they put the ball in Justin Herbert's hands all the time. And he's banged up. And Denver's defense was getting after all of them anyway. But they put it in his hands all the time. And meanwhile, Denver was like, uh, yeah, we're going to run a couple times and then see if you can get it on third and five. I mean, that's what you do when you don't have faith in your quarterback. Russell Wilson has been a guy that you put the ball in his hands all the time in, in Seattle. You know, there's just certain guys, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, like right now. You're not going to do that with Trevor Lawrence. That's not ideal right this moment. You hope he gets to a point. And then there are some quarterbacks you'll never do it with. Daniel Jones, they're making him throw, what, 27 times a game, and that's it. And anything over that, they probably feel like it's uh-oh time. So... But isn't that astonishing to you, the way they used 
Russell Wilson, hey, we need to go win a football game, so let's run it into the teeth of a Chargers defense that's been slowing us down most of the day, and uh, and then we'll see if Russ can get us like third and six. That shocked me that they wouldn't put it in his hands late. And by the way, this comes on the heels of earlier in the season, remember, taking out of Russell's hands on a on a big down, which now actually looks like decision by Hackett was the right one because anytime Russell has it in his hand for the most part, not good things happen, Casey. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't want to say Pete Carroll was right, but he was actually right on the money. Yeah, I mean, I think it's weird how they've done things, especially without Javante Williams, right? You're going to run the ball more when your best running back is on IR. And Melvin Gordon's just like all pro on the stand there team most of the game on the sidelines. So it's very – the Denver – thing is very confusing i don't get it nathaniel hackett hold on for dear life because i don't know if you're going to be there at the end of the season the way this thing's going but the whole dynamic of what's going on in denver is very very odd i just can't really wrap my head around it because they have good players i can't imagine russ is actually this bad but i guess he is they don't like it there's i think denver is like the biggest dumpster fire going right now and that's a league with detroit and jacksonville in it uh and the jets yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call the Jack. Yeah, I don't think he, neither one, all of those. I don't think you would say are dumpster fires. But I'm saying the I, past twenty years, of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, Denver is a is a legit dumpster fire looking deal right now. And the crazy thing is their defense is elite. Like their defense, their is defense really is good. very good. Yeah, the defense is Dallas Cowboy good, and they've been excellent. They must be like swearing across the room, you know, right now, and that. Uh, you try to avoid that, but it's got to feel that way because they they are doing everything in their power to give the offense a chance to win, and they just can't do it. And it looked like it might happen for them yesterday, and it just uh, still couldn't. They just couldn't do it. I mean, they had a kicker who really busted his leg, kicked four field goals, and the Chargers, uh, the Broncos, still couldn't get more than that. Uh, so it's pretty wild to see. And I will say this, and again, I'm I'm a big Nathaniel Hackett fan. I like Hackett a lot, but he looks so uncomfortable. He looks uncomfortable in the postgame. He looks uncomfortable in the halftime interview. He looks uncomfortable on the sideline. I'm a little surprised at how uncomfortable he looks to the point where it's making me uncomfortable watching him. I, I, I don't give a lot of, I guess, a thought to a guy in his first year being fired in his first year. Of course, it did happen here with Urban. It's happened in other places. I think... Uh, Wilkes was the guy who's now coaching at Carolina. I think that happened with Arizona. Then they hired Kingsbury. So, I mean, it's happened, but I don't feel like that ever is going to happen unless something goes crazy wrong like Urban. And we might be looking at a situation where this thing never gets figured out in Denver, and they're like, well, this isn't working. we got to go in a different direction. I mean, it could be that bad. And Denver, we're a third of the way through the season, man. And I know Troy Aikman was stuck on this yesterday. It's like they had 11 days to prepare. I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but they did have extra time to prepare, and they still looked all out of sorts. When are they going to get it right? And I don't know if there is an answer to that in a, in a positive way for the Denver Broncos. It is the biggest surprise of the season, right, by far in the NFL. Like even with the Jets and the Giants, I guess the Giants in a positive way, um, could be the big. they're probably the biggest surprise. But even with the success stories there, even Atlanta and what they've been able to do, and I gotta believe this Denver story. Everybody thought they'd be good. How many people picked Denver to go to the Super Bowl? A few. I picked them to win the division. Yeah, I mean that kind of good. We gotta remind ourselves that's what people thought they could be. Their receiving cores, eh? I mean, I know they're beat up a little eh. bit in spots. Ah, they're doing. They're better they than doing? eh. They're better than eh. What are they doing? I mean, even even Aikman did say yes. He's like they don't have it open. 
Well, that yeah, that is a problem too. So I mean, it's I I doubt it's all Russ's fault. I think a lot of it's his fault. He's got no bojo. There's no confidence. But it's just a wild thing to see. I mean, they paid the guy two hundred forty million dollars, two hundred thirty-six, whatever it was. I mean, this could be like a catastrophic mistake. Yeah, no. It, it, at, at this point in time, it's looking that way because I don't understand how they're this bad. Like again. There's a lot of things at play here, though. Like, I'm not convinced that Russell Wilson is good anymore or without Pete Carroll, whatever, however you want to finish that sentence because it looks that bad. Now, it might be the coaching, in fairness, and the coaching's definitely bad, too. But, like, the whole thing in Denver is just not good, Brent. It's not good at all. Uh, can, is this a, just an overdramatization to say, Probably. like, Russell Wilson could be the biggest mistake in NFL history? You, you all the stuff you sent to Seattle for him, and then you pony up two hundred like thirty six million dollars, and if you know like six games in that it, that might have been bad, like listen, Ryan Leaf's a big mistake, right? There are busts that happen in the draft. You don't spend that kind of money, and you don't spend that kind of capital to get him. Now Russell Wilson, if this keeps up, might be the biggest mistake in NFL history for the Broncos. Yeah, I I actually kind of agree with that because of the money now, right? The, the 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 draft picks are one thing, but the money that you paid him now is a problem as well. And it's nobody's taking that. I you know I maybe like a Carolina took a, is always taking chances on quarterbacks, so maybe. But like they might be stuck in a really 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 bad situation and might have to look at multiple coaches. But the one thing you're not going to be able to change is the quarterback. So yeah, if he's really not good, and again six weeks in, okay. But it looks horrible. And if it's going to look this horrible for another six weeks, a whole season maybe, I, there's nothing to do like you're stuck. But, yeah, that might it might be one of the worst mistakes ever made. Yeah, I, I don't and, – and, by the way, I didn't see it coming. No. didn't see this coming at all. I, I think Russell Wilson's been a good quarterback. I think he is one of the top quarterbacks that's played over the last seven, eight years, year in, year out. I didn't think he was a problem. So maybe he still has some of that left. But he's got that look in his eyes like, whoa, what's going on? And he can say everything he wants to say, and he's like a very nice guy, and he's, he takes the high road. But he looks lost, and I think he's lost all the confidence. Like, that's a guy playing without confidence. You can tell it on the field. You can see it in the postgame. You can see it on the sideline. He's like eyes wide open right now during the headlights look. Like, this is Blaine Gabbert back in 2011. Yeah. I mean, really, it, it, you can tell some guys when guys are shell-shocked. And Russell Wilson, almost a decade into his career, looks shell-shocked right now. He really does. Didn't see that coming, and usually, you don't usually see that from a veteran guy. Like, who, you know, we always talk about guys that have, that have maybe not performed as well, but then turned it on. Rich Gannon's this, like, great example of he really played well toward the end of his career. He's, like, the poster child for that and, and picked it up late where he actually got into a nice groove and was a good quality quarterback. Alex Smith is one of those examples, right, for, hey, seven years didn't work out, seven different coordinators, and then, boom, got going in Kansas City. And if he doesn't suffer the injury, he actually felt pretty good about Alex Smith, the way he was playing football. So we have some of those stories, but I'm not sure I remember many stories in a world where sports does go fast, like when you lose it, it goes. But at the quarterback position, have we seen a guy that's done so much fall off the cliff like this? And again, it's a six-game sample. I understand that. He's playing hurt. He's got all the new stuff. I mean, it might not be the end. But if it, if it is bad, 
and, and, and we're playing this game right now as he could be the biggest mistake in NFL history. Have we seen another quarterback do that, just fall off the map with his resume? No. I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, not with his resume, right? The Baker Mayfield got bad quickly. I mean, he did. but he was never at that caliber. So, yeah, I think that's interesting. But it comes back to the point of where, you know, Russell Wilson, it's not like he was a first-round pick. Maybe he went into the right situation. And maybe Pete Carroll and the coaching staff they had there is the reason he's good. And I know that's something that we haven't at least believed in his career to this point. But now that might be showing itself because – Low late round draft pick got coached up, got put in a perfect situation. They ran the ball a lot, and maybe that's just what he is. And now, when they're asking him to do everything, he gets exposed. And then, to your point, coming back to why are they running the ball at the end of the game? Well, because Russ might not be able to do what they thought he was going to be able to do. So, do you think he figures it out? I like no. Well, again, I know it's not overreaction Monday, but like I have no confidence in that. Like it just doesn't look right. Like coach, quarterback. I know we're specifically talking about Russ, but I don't I don't see it, Brett. I, I think it's a really bad situation in Denver. Yeah, I do too. I got no faith. And again, you're talking about a defense that is, what are they, one or two in the league right now? I mean, they have that kind of defense, and if they didn't, it would look a lot worse. Oh, yes. And, and you know, this is one of those – I was thinking of this last night a little bit, and I always think of uh, uh, Josh Scobie and our buddy Josh in this, this vein. It didn't go well for him in Pittsburgh. Obviously, he's beloved here in Jacksonville. He had a great career. It didn't go well in Pittsburgh for Josh. But part of the reason it didn't go well and it ended quickly and, the, and it just built on itself was, and I forget the timing of it, but Scobie went to Pittsburgh like on a Sunday. Basically, they traded him or something. Sunday night, boom, off to the airport. He's like playing, I think, on Thursday night football. Yeah. And then he plays again on either like yeah, the following Thursday or the following Sunday or the following Monday or whatever. And he's not doing well for those 10 days. But he's doing all that on a nationally televised game. And when everybody's watching, it's the only thing in town, the only thing to talk about. You know, and that's how all the Snoop Dogg stuff happened, everything. So it was like this perfect storm of bad circumstances. Well, look what's happening to Nathaniel Hack and Russell Wilson and the struggling Denver offense. They can't do it under the guise of a Sunday afternoon 1 o'clock game. They've been freaking on national TV and primetime games, like every game, mm-hmm. which we're all now, like, want to sign a petition to get them off. Please. I never want to watch them play again or listen. And, and, and so I, I don't think that helps the cause. What it does is it builds this just, my goodness, this wave of criticism. This wave of, they're talking about it on Scott Van Pelt last night, talking about it on the post-game show on Amazon, the post talking about it on NFL Network. They're talking about it again this morning on Good Morning Football, every show on ESPN all day. Like, you don't do that if you play on Sundays. They talk about you. They talk about you for a segment. They build it into the show, and then on, you know, by Tuesday, they're on to something else because something always happens in the NFL. Yeah. But that's not the case with these games. Like, the story each each one of these games is not really even who won. Sure, Dustin Hopkins gets interviewed after for a couple minutes. But then it goes right back to Russ and Hackett and all this. And so these guys have to they have to compete against the wave. And that is not an easy thing to do. And I think it's adding to it. I mean, heck, the, maybe the best thing is for them to go to London and play at 930 in the morning ha! in a couple of weeks. You it know? don't matter. So it'll be pretty interesting. The story is it's a hamstring. I mean, that's how we got on the Russ topic, but... Uh, we'll see if he plays against the I don't Jazz. Buy it. But 
Yeah, I mean, he's. I don't know if it matters. Like, that's not a headline to me if he doesn't play. Like, I'm more scared of who's his backup. No clue. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I don't know. I, want, I almost want Russ to play right now. Yeah. I mean, they're out of sync, man. I will say this about that. That Denver defense is going to be a beast for the Jags. No, it will. That's true. That's going to be a beast. I mean, they've, they've given every team they've played problems. By the way, backup is Brett Ripien. Uh, yeah. Um, where was he? Was he, a, was he a Boise State guy? Nah, it doesn't sound right. Uh, Are you sure? What's your final answer? Is it Boise State? It is Boise State. Yeah. All right. Nice. Nice. Nice pull. Very good. Um, nice pull, he says to himself. Yeah, it was. Well, it was a good pull, man. Heads up on his on his back. He's yeah. really patent. I didn't change my mind, so it was a good pull. Uh, the the Jags actually have a tough couple weeks from a defensive standpoint. The Giants' front is good, and the Denver defense is really good. This is a big couple weeks for the Jags. They're going to have to play a pretty physical brand. They're going to get hit quite a bit, Trevor Warren, and he's going to be hurried and pressured. Uh, even good offensive lines, these guys can do a number on. Uh, so uh, the running game will be critical. Uh, obviously, keep holding on to the football, making good decisions. Because really, if one of the – obviously, uh, Trevor had the bad four-fumble game, and, and you just hope that's an anomaly, and I think it was. He had the bad moment against Houston. But turnovers have not been outside of those two moments, right? Turnovers have not been a constant week-to-week thing. The one thing that has kind of crept back into it a little bit for Trevor – we saw it the other day. We saw it in Washington. When he gets pressured, is he making the right decisions to either just take the sack or is he trying too hard to do too much to get out of it? Cost him field goal range the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. Did the same thing with the intentional groundings against Washington. And so, like, that's what probably scares me a little bit because you're going to be under pressure, so how do you react to it? Just take the sack or throw it away. And that's going to be the case, I think, this week against the Giants and Denver. Those are two really good fronts. And... The Jags are going to have to do a fantastic job. They'll have to make smart decisions for Trevor, and they'll have to, I think, run the ball a lot to be able to just at least keep them at bay. Um, but I think it'll be an interesting couple of weeks for this offense for the Jacksonville Jaguars going against two pretty good defenses, Casey. Yeah, it's it's going to be difficult. I, I agree with you there. And it, it just comes back to, I guess, your point about Trevor and the point that I try to make is where's the consistency, right? Can he continue the consistency that he had last week? Now, it's going to be tougher. He's going to be under siege a little bit more. He's going to have to make plays because the fronts on these teams are going to be very good. The decision-making, it's going to have to be on point. But at least the exciting part of that is you're not working against great offenses with those great defenses. So. Yeah, you bust one, you ETN breaks one loose, you know, you, you're, you're right in it still. So you keep it manageable, you don't make the big mistake, and you're probably still in a pretty good spot because I don't – even, it, you know, the Giants are good, and I, I believe that to be true, but they're good because of their defense in Saquon Barkley. So if you can keep it, you know, tidy on the other side, which might now be more of a problem than we thought – I think Trevor will be okay. The problem is both those things have to work together, which they haven't done in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see the game plan because what has worked for Trevor is getting the ball out of his hands, right, and the the quick game stuff, and his Indianapolis games have been terrific. The Chargers game was pretty good. It wasn't just that in the Chargers game, but uh, that was good for him from a consistency standpoint for the most part. Uh, Then Houston, you actually had a lot of good moments, but also some big-time not-so-good moments. And Philly, you can just kind of throw out. There wasn't a lot really to like in that game. And I think Washington even had, like, more of a mixed bag than Houston. Houston, you'll go back and people will say, hey, there were a couple 
there were some really good throws. A lot of people think, even from a national standpoint, like the drops in that game were more harmful than, than Trevor's arm and uh, outside of the second and one play. And so where does he... Only Stingley would have dropped it. Yeah, yeah, true. Where does he go now, right? That's a good... Like, he comes off another good performance. But sooner or later, you're going to have to play better than just against Indianapolis. And these are, true. again, big boy fronts. See, this is... Philadelphia was a real good front, too. Again, the game is so hard to depict what was really real <laughs> because mm-hmm. of all the weather and all the problems they end up having. This will be well-earned, whatever they get on the offensive side, and can they handle it? Can the whole front handle it? Can the Jags handle it? Can Trevor handle it? I think it's going to be the biggest probably back-to-back test they have for from a defensive standpoint, what their offense is facing uh, maybe this year. I mean, you go through their schedule. I don't see anybody else jumping out like these two. So massive stretch and also a lot of pressure, like you just said, on the Jags' defense to get it right, get it corrected, because there are going to be some defensive struggles in games where you got to go win 23-20 to 20 or 20-17. to 17. I mean, the Chargers were able to do it. Herbert threw 50, what, seven times, didn't throw a touchdown. They only scored 19 points. So that's what kind of defense we're talking about the Jags are going to face in a couple of weeks in London. And the Giants maybe haven't been as strong as that, but they're pretty good. Uh, interested to watch how this plays out for the Jacksonville Jaguars over the next couple of weeks from an offensive perspective. Meanwhile, in Jacksonville, all we're talking about is how do you fix the defense? How do you fix the defense? Well, they're going to have to fix that, too, because they got Saquon Barkley coming to town. As for Denver, uh, you might just be able to throw anybody out there and they'll score 13 points. That's what it looks like right now <laughs> against Denver. Um, but we said that about the Colts, and they scored 34. Maybe we should learn our lesson. Can't do it. Hey, 4 o'clock hour, we've got Blake Bortles jumping in the show here with Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. So we're going to talk a lot of football today, talk a little bit about the college ranks as well. What else is going around uh, the NFL? We dive hard into the Jags uh, in a couple of different areas as well. Uh, it's all coming up. We're live from Devoli's House of Cards on a Tuesday until 6 o'clock down here in St. John's County. Come on out, say hello, play fantasy card breaks with us, get in the money, get in the game. We'll be back on ESPN 690. <laughs> It's not good. That's not good enough. We got to be better. We got to be better. We got to um, play sharper. Um, we got we got to find ways to make plays. Got to find ways to continue to get first downs, touchdowns. Um, you know, it's a good football team out there, but but we're just as, just as good, if not better, and we feel like and. Um, we got to answer the call, you know. It's uh, adversity is, is, is uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, uh, challenging us right now. But um, the only way I, the only way I know through, through it all is just continue to work hard and continue to believe. I think felt like we felt like we should have won that game tonight. Um, and so um, we got we got to look at the film and see what we can do better. They threw up all the uh, highlights of his three highlights in the background there. All three things he did right. That's Russell Wilson. Uh, tough time right now in Russell Wilson's career. He's had a nice career, but this is a big-time adversity right now uh, for Russ. Brent Orto back here at the Volley's House of Cards. Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. Casey Kurtz back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Aaron Schachter, he'll be back with us uh, later in the week. And, again, we've got Blake Bortles coming up at uh, the 4 o'clock hour. Scheduled to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. We always say scheduled, but uh, we are planning on it with Blake Bortles, so looking forward uh, to that conversation. We've got football at 5. We'll talk a lot of football overtime with Kurtz and Middleton after that at 6 o'clock, and uh, then ESPN programming 
beyond that. As we've got a busy couple of weeks, it's really stacking up right now, at least uh, behind the scenes, as we've got Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida. I think it is technically Georgia, Florida this year. Um, and I don't have a dog in the fight. <laughs> Get it? Uh, but, or a gator in the fight. And I don't care which one it's called. But uh, we've got a busy couple of weeks, so it should be uh, a lot of fun. Amazon and the NFL announced uh, this game on Black Friday. Talk about smart marketing. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. The Yankees and Guardians play tonight, and the Guardians might still be looking for a hotel in the Bronx. Something uh, It sounds like. <laughs> Just something to dug out. And Major League Baseball getting a lot of grief for why didn't they call that game earlier? Uh, and did they earn it? Well, who knows? But maybe if they called it earlier, the, the Guardians would have been able to find a hotel. And I wonder how much of a disadvantage that is uh, going into this game. All right, let's go with the phone right now. And in a couple of weeks, uh, November 1st, it's on the horizon now. PXG Women's Match Play Championship uh, back down at World Golf Village for a second straight year. And the founder, the executive director, the president, the owner, the, the everything of it, Mark Berman, uh, joins us uh, now on ESPN 690. What's happening, man? Are you guys looking forward to, a, to another good event? I bet you wish you get a weather week like we're having right now. I'll tell you what, if we could lock in this weather... We uh, we would we would have them all stay for the for the rest of the winter. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. Hey, give us a difference uh, the difference of last year to this year. Uh, probably you know uh, you, you you do some different things or you just build off it. Uh, the field looks good. Uh, tell us some of the enhancements uh, that you guys have found, or maybe even they're just very subtle things uh, going into year two. Of yeah, this event. I mean, yeah, we got we got a lot a lot of new stuff. You know, last year remember we did uh, this was a 12-day tournament right we put them put our players through the ringer I think Jessica Porvaznik who was our winner last year um, three-time All-American at Ohio State by the way um, she played 285 holes from start to finish um, you know we put them through three days of, of stroke play and we had 64 players in the whole thing three days of stroke play went into our battle rounds two days of battle rounds 54 holes over two days and then go into the match play with the Sweet 16. Um, this year, we're we're toning it down a little bit, uh, just making it a, kind of a tradi- more traditional one-week event. So two days of stroke play goes into one day of our battle rounds, and that goes into the Sweet 16 of match play. I think the biggest thing, Brent, this year, the most exciting thing for the girls is they actually get to play in the weekend. And this level of professional women's golf doesn't always get to play in the weekend. In fact, they're usually kind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So to be playing match play on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, wrapping it up on a Sunday afternoon under the spire of the Hall of Fame is getting them really excited. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it, it's funny, those little things, right, you wouldn't think are a big deal or maybe actually the average person wouldn't think of a big deal, play, 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 and, and you play in the win and all those things. But it does add a little r- nice wrinkle to it, right? Kind of feels uh, maybe this even more level of importance, almost like playing underneath the lights if you're um, in any other event. Yeah, no, that's, that's really what it is, right? Like, you know, pl- playing on a weekend for, again, this is, this is like double A, maybe double A plus ball. Um, you know, we get a lot of players that go back and forth from, you know, to AAA, which is the Epson Tour. And we've got a lot of players this year who have a lot of LPGA starts as well. So it's, it's a little bit of a convoluted deal but as far as the level goes. But, again, they don't get to play on weekends very often, and, and they feel the elevation of that event. They feel the, 
the importance, they feel the respect of, of a women's tour at this level, getting to play in a weekend at a resort and at a golf course, championship level course like Slammer and Squire. Um, and that's part of our, you know, it's part of our mission here. It's part of our message is, is elevating the women's game and, and shining a light on these players who honestly will be the next LPGA tour players. So let's, let's, let's shine that light brightly on them and, and treat them like the, the amazing women athletes that they are and, and professional athletes that they are who've worked their, their entire lives to get to this point. I feel like so that it, did. It, it, oh, sorry, I'm Mark Berman with us here on ESPN 690. I feel like uh, women's golf got enhanced a little bit over the last year or two with the Olympics um, and just maybe some of the, the rising star power of the United States women's golfer anyway. Um, do I have that correct? Do you feel that? Like, you know the game and you know you know that, that, that world better than me. But I feel like the lift there was pretty good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's you're 100% feeling it correctly, right? So the last five, six, seven, eight years, we're seeing this explosion of women's golf talent, particularly American women golf, women's golf talent, coming out of college. And that goes back to... 10, 15 years ago when the industry said, hey, let's make more junior golfers, right? Let's create more golfers. Programs like the First Tee, LPGA Golf, junior programs, junior tours popping up all over the place. So the good residual of that is 40% of those players were, were girls who are now young women. Um, you know, we've talked about my daughter and, and a lot of the local players here, and they're the beneficiaries of kind of that that growth, that explosion, and now they're all coming out of college. And, you know, like we've talked about, we're creating a place for them to play and continue to develop. But what you're seeing and what I think the the golf world who's paying attention is seeing is a lot more talent and a lot more players in general than that were that there were even four or five years ago. So good news is we're we're creating a place for them to play. and, And here we go. Yeah, by the way, the field size from 60 to 90. Mark Berman with us, uh, and he's really a creator of this event, the PXG Women's Match Play Championships, coming in early November uh, to Jacksonville, really St. Augustine, down the World Golf Village. $10,000 increase in purse. I know that was a big deal. So obviously you've got backing and support and continue to get some more of that enhanced this year. Uh, so a good payday coming up for these ladies. And, you know, we've talked about this last year, but uh, first of all, tickets are 10 bucks. That's it. Includes a free beverage. Tickets ten bucks in. The proceeds go to investing in kids, and this is more than a golf tournament. It raises money for charity, investment in kids, investing in kids, and also uh, it kind of becomes a golf initiative around the golf tournament. Tell us a little bit more about that part of it, Mark. What you guys been able to create? Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Like you've you've heard of the KPMG um, Women's Summit that they do at the KPMG PGA Women's Championship. We're basically doing the same thing here with the Generation W Links Leadership Summit um, presented by Circle K and Baptist and grateful for their support. And basically it's a, it's a half day, really more three quarters of a day of connection, mentoring, leadership, creating pathways for not just the players in this event, those 90 players, but we're, we're also inviting the entire team, from, the entire women's golf team from UNF, from JU, from Flagler, um, and some other, some other schools and some other, other young athletes as well, where they're basically getting together in a big room with some of the most powerful, um, prominent female CEOs and executives in the country. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to have Donna Orinder and Generation W right here in Jacksonville and 
you know, we collaborated with them last year and this year and to create this amazing day of women's empowerment, women's initiatives that, that really goes beyond the golf course, right? Like at the end of the day, not all of these players are going to get to the LPGA tour. A lot of them, one of the things we've learned in the last year is that 70% of our players actually have second jobs. So how do we create those, those opportunities for them once their career is done and while they're playing and working their way to the LPGA tour. So it's a, it's a big day for women's initiatives again, inside and outside the ropes and and really an important part of this. Mark Berman with us, PXG women's match play championships coming up uh, in November, early November, November 1st. It's on the horizon just a couple weeks right after Florida, Georgia, these big weeks. So you got the, right on the heels of that, some big events rolling in. So a bunch of momentum in the area already, Mark. Uh, what, what, is the atmosphere you'd like to create obviously you get this chance i mean also beautiful in, in so many levels we know the players championship but there are other events like furic and friends that just happened and it's a very intimate setting because the crowds are not as massive as the players championship sea islands coming up in st simon's georgia uh and that is a very similar setting to that from a uh, obviously a pga tour champions tour perspective what kind of atmosphere do you try to create uh, for these ladies and for these competitors, uh, but also give that fan experience. As we mentioned, it's just 10 bucks a ticket, so it's uh, certainly very affordable. Yeah, no, it's a really cool question. Um, I, I think from a fan's perspective, right, you're getting to see some amazing golf, right? You're seeing some of the, literally some of the, the, the difference between these players and, and the players in the top 150 in the LPGA Tour. You know, just like in the PGA Tour, Corn Ferry to the, to the PGA Tour, you know, is a, is a half a stroke a day, a stroke a day, right? So you're seeing some amazing talent. And like you said, you're, you're up close and personal, right? Like we don't even have ropes, right? You're literally walking on the cart paths. You're walking on the grass. At the end of the match play last year, we probably had a couple hundred people literally just following along behind the players in the middle of the fairway. So it's a, it's a really different experience than, I mean, I've, I love the the Players' Championship, right? But this is a totally different experience where you're literally able to have conversations with these players. They want to have that intimacy. They want to have that relationship, right? They're, it's a it's a really cool environment. It's it's so different than the players, and and I encourage fans to come out, golf fans, to come out and watch this. Just sports fans, athlete fans, to to come out and just be part of it and and cheer these girls on. They 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 don't get galleries. We're trying to create, again, trying to create that elevated experience for them, and it'll be worth every every penny of $10. Yeah, no doubt, uh, and, a, and a free beverage, too, so that's good as well. And a um, free beverage. <laughs> uh, Mark Berman with us. All right, let's put a bow on it with this. Where's this thing going? Is it here to stay? Uh, you know, you've built a lot of this up. You've, you've put a lot of work behind it. Um, you grow, you've grown it purse-wise, field-wise. Uh, you keep doing, you know, some wrinkles here or there. Uh, we're going to see this stick around and, and continue to stay? Yeah, as far, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'm having trouble seeing past the next 13 days. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really, look, I'm really looking forward to November 8th. I hear you, um, When I catch a good night's <laughs> sleep. But, yeah, I, I want this thing to be around forever, right? I want there to be women's golf in this market for, for a long, long time. Um, it's a great place to be. And the fact that we've, we've got a senior tour event here, a PGA tour event, um, and now a women's event, I think, is, uh, is just a really cool thing for, for sports fans in the market. So we're, we're excited. Um, I, I can't tell you how excited the, the players are to, to be coming here in November. Um, it, it's going to be a really cool week.
Awesome. Well, uh, we'll share the link as well where you can get tickets. But it's like 10 bucks. That's it. So uh, not bad at all. Uh, free Junior Clinic being held at Slammer and Squire on Sunday, yep. October 30th. So that uh, precedes the event. Uh, that is Sunday, right before Halloween. That Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. to 3.30. You can watch the Jags in the morning. You can go out to the clinic in the afternoon. And, of course, the uh, the play is November 1st through Sunday, November 6th. And you get that weekend finish at uh, Slammer and Squire at World Golf Village. Mark Berman, keep up the good work, man. Thanks for jumping in. And hopefully we'll be joined by a golfer or two over the next couple of weeks leading up to the event. That'll be awesome, Brett. Appreciate your support, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. All right, uh, that is Mark Berman. Does a fantastic job uh, with women's golf, uh, not just in our area, all over the place, uh, and has grown this event in in just two years. We'll uh, share a link how to get tickets. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the Volley's House of Cards place to be. I do want to ask you a little bit, Casey, about that black friday game in 2023 it's not this year but the nfl and amazon just announced this black friday game the owners meetings are taking place so you're going to have some of these little trickle down announcements and i actually think it's genius it's good marketing is it it's a smart move yeah i think it's pretty smart you know i don't know if i need friday football but I do. after thanksgiving yeah sure why not you know and and i'd have a thought or two about that where I'm i thought there used day. to be a respect factor for other days in the weeks and i think the nfl is just like Screw it. We're a monopoly. We're Forget just going where the hell we want to go. Uh, so there's a little element of that. But uh, we'll talk about it uh, when we come back to Bowie's House of Cards. And don't forget, 4 o'clock hour, uh, we've got Blake Bortles, the boat, will join us. I'm Brenton Friends on ESPN 690. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Numbers don't lie in this situation. Saquon Barkley is the best running back in New York. Saquon Barkley, if you ask me, is the best running back in the National Football League. Saquon Barkley is the best running back that you're going to see touch a football in the next two or three years watching any level of football anywhere, anytime. There's no question about it. And that's not because he plays with the Giants. It's not because he's my guy, you know. It's not because any of that. It's because it's true. It sounds like it was Brandon Jacobs. It was. Huh, how about that? Um, I think everybody can believe that. Don't you? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been pretty accurate so far this year. I I asked Maurice Jones-Drew, is he the best back in the league right now? And I understand the resumes of McCaffrey. I understand the Derrick Henry resume. I'm just saying right now, in a power ranking of running backs... I'm not sure there's anybody better. Not at the moment, no. I wouldn't put anybody above him. Yeah, and and by the way, like, the reason Saquon doesn't have the resume for the most part is because he couldn't stay healthy. And I'm not sure where I stand on McCaffrey. I understand McCaffrey has been brilliant. He's been a, a fantasy football stud. But, I mean, golly, uh, yeah. you got to play once. you got to play a few times in the last three years, you know? I mean, that, that I remember those times, but I, I don't remember them recently. I, we're almost talking about a guy who feels like his – it's not over, but it's. It, I feel like we talk about him in the past tense often when it comes to McCaffrey. It's true. Uh, so, and the question is with Barkley, can you talk about him in the future tense? Like how much can he stay healthy? Can he continue to do this? He's tough now, and he comes to Jacksonville. You know, what's interesting to me, Saquon Barkley is one of the players in the league because we haven't seen a lot of them. Like I'd go to the bank. If I wasn't a Jags or Giants fan, I'd go to the bank to watch him play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's not, I don't think there's a there's quarterbacks like that, but I don't do that with a lot of players. Like, I'm trying to think of a receiver that I would do that. Maybe would you go watch Jamar Chase play? Is he caught on that much? Justin Jefferson? I don't think so. Uh, maybe take a kid to go see him do the gritty potentially. But true. But Barkley, I think is like because he's just a specimen. 
You know? Yeah. And and we we feel like we've been cheated as a fan of him potentially being really good because of the injuries. And you just haven't seen a lot. And so I I do feel like he's in that category, man. Like, I don't say that about a lot of players. I, I think, listen, you go support your team and you go watch your team. But I think Saquon kind of fits like, hey, Giants don't come down here all the time. And Saquon Barkley might not play all the time. But Saquon Barkley is like a – he's almost like a fictional character. It's accurate. You know, because, again, everybody's talked about him, talked about him, talked about him. What if, what if, what if? And now we're getting to see him. Like, it's the fictional character come to life. I feel like he – I think I – I don't know if I've compared them before. But he's kind of like Zion Williamson in that sense. Like, if Zion Williamson were to play, have success early in the season, and then go to Orlando and play the Magic, which I'm sure they would – they will. Like, he'd be worth going to see. We should go. Road one, trip. Well, one, because I don't – how much are you going to see him? You've been waiting to see him. Is he really as good as everybody says? Like, those kind of things. And I think Saquon Barkley kind of fits that to me. I don't know why. That feels a little bit different uh, than I, I would say about most even star players. Uh, but but he does have that effect, I think, uh, which we'll see. So – See at the bank on Sunday, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And if you're going to go and you're a neutral fan, just put a Jags something on and root for them. It's yeah. Like, how about it? Uh, yeah, just that would the be right nice. colors. Hey, do you like Black Friday game? I mean, do you have a problem with it? You don't care about it. You just want more football. You wish they played 30 games a year and on every day of the week. Though. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, I leave Saturday for college. Who cares about Sunday. the well-being? Just give us, like, the JV team if you need to, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, something whatever, to gamble on. Whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. So, yeah, I'm... I get it. You know, there's marketing there, right? You know what they should do, right? They should have the game on, and then, like, the third quarter, they should be like, prime deal. Yes. Get this right now. They'll, they'll, they probably will. Yeah. So, like, like I get be, it. It will become, like, the NFL mixed with the home shopping network. Yeah. They, oh, man. Can you imagine the guy, how Michael's, like, wearing some hat? He's like, this hat is now 30% off, something like that. <laughs> like, that would be crazy. If you order the next 10 minutes. Yeah, you got to end up with a little clock on the screen. Like, wild. But <laughs> or somebody scores in the jersey 60% off. Listen, I, I'm with it. Like... I'm not going to be mad at it, especially, like, on a day that a lot of people are off, right? It's a good day for football. So I'm not mad at it. I'm glad it's not this year because I'd be watching soccer. So next year, yeah, we're fine. I'm good with it. Yeah. I think, and I will bet on it. Yeah, I think uh, – I don't – I guess I don't hate it. It's not a huge college day. There's some high school football. I don't like the NFL monopolizing everything. Like, I think the respect between uh, different sports and commissioners and other things is kind of a cool thing. But – they are going to monopolize everything. I just thought this was a smart one. You know, Amazon, Amazon Prime, all the stuff. I don't even love them being on Amazon, by the way. I wish they were just always on network TV. But I think this is a pretty smart move. Like, I got to tip my cap to the to the people that came up with this and said, this might work. And I think it does work on a lot of different levels for both products. And I would not be surprised if they're selling some products in oh, some yeah. way, shape, or form. In this here air fryer... 80% <laughs> off as what? Kirk gets his his lunch out of the air fryer. Well, like, yeah, okay. yeah it'd be something more like uh, yeah, you've got to, while you're tailgating, right? Uh, up until noon, the air uh, fryer is, <laughs> we can come up with a whole thing for him if you want Amazon. I think Amazon's doing just fine. They don't need us, but here we are. We're wearing these Bose headphones to broadcast the game now 35% <laughs> off for the next eight minutes. You know what we need? We need a little boat in our lives. Uh, Blake Bortle scheduled to join us when we come back. Brent and friends on ESPN 690, live from Devoli's House of Cards down in St. John's County. Hang with us. We'll have some fun in the 4 o'clock hour. 
If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 